Welcome to In The Room, the Vital Leadership Podcast. Vital Church is a multicultural, bilingual church located in McAllen, Texas. Visit our website, vitalchurch.com, where you'll find links to all our media platforms. For now, sit in the room with us as Pastor Carla leads the conversation, Pastor Charlie adds commentary, and the Vital Church staff provides input and feedback on topics of church ministry, leadership, vision, culture, and more. We also sprinkle in a little Spanish, a little humor, and some storytelling. Let's get in the room. All right, good morning, guys. God bless you. Good morning. Carla, it's good to see you again. Saw you I just a little while ago. but Saw you like you. 30 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good morning. It's good to be back. Last week, Pastor Abraham and Ozzy uh, led the conversation. We heard it. It's good. It, it, it was good some stuff. good stuff. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Ozzy, Pastor Abraham. You all did a great job. Let's hear for them, guys. Yeah. And they also found out it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> so we heard, but they made it sound very easy. Last week, I messaged uh, the team through a chat that we have. We call it the office chat. <laughs> and I asked for some questions that you would want to ask an influential leader in your life. And you all didn't know, but you all were participating for today. So I'm going to have... 10 questions that I chose out of what I received, and I'm gonna interview my husband. Ha! So. <laughs> That's the curveball. So, I couldn't tell you all because he's on the chat, but I, I realized that we have some great guests and we do Q&As. And I said, why haven't we heard specific things regarding uh, leadership from my husband, who is our visionary, who is our leader, and we're very thankful for his life. So this is a, what can we call it, a special edition of In the Room with Pastor <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Martinez. Wow. Hey, disclaimer, I don't have all the answers, so y'all better participate. Help me out. I have 10 questions. I kind of gave him some, let me see, eight that are written and oh. two that I didn't. <laughs> okay. So he thinks I gave I'm him I'm looking all over the at your screen right now. So the reason why I didn't write down two other questions is because I have one. And if one of you wants to ask something that I don't hear that I asked, we want Good. you to do it. Let's okay? go. I'm nervous. Are you ready, hon? I am. As a more experienced leader, what would you tell a younger leader that you would have wanted for someone to have told you when you were starting? I would have wanted to know just how difficult leadership was gonna be. It looks easy. It looks easy when you're not a leader and you're looking at leaders and you admire people for their influence. Mm -hmm. It looks even glamorous and you aspire to leadership. And I think mm -hmm. that's a good thing, but brace yourselves. Leadership is dealing with people, which means dealing with different personalities, different characters, people from different upbringings, facing all types of different challenges. So it is difficult. It is fulfilling. Don't get me wrong. I love people. It's very fulfilling, but it's a, it's a big challenge. Would you say brace yourself in the sense that you never expect how people will react, especially people in the church, and then surprise, you right. know, you get thrown a curveball of certain attitudes or actions, and you're found really trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I was going to say that, that in this room, you all know me. I'm the typical or the epitome of a benefit of the doubt guy. I think the best of people. I expect the best of people and I love people. And I know that there's greatness in every single person. 
But on the flip side of that is you also set yourself up for disillusionment, for disappointment. Right. When those people that you believed in, trusted in, and expected the most from come back and surprise you with anything but, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's hard. I would tell a younger version of myself, basically, guard your heart and understand that it's part of the package. Even Jesus had a traitor. Even Jesus had a hardship. We're talking about the best leader in the world, in history. And he had his trials. He had his defectors. He had his deserters. He had all of that. I would just say, you have to be okay with it. You have mm -hmm. to be okay with, you're not going to make everybody happy. They say that the only time people are going to talk 100% positive about you is at your funeral. So if that's what you're craving, <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, as long as you're living and as long as you're making a difference, really, you're not going to please everybody. Your leadership is not for everybody. That's right. another thing. Right. And just accept that. Just do what God has called you to do. Okay. Question number two. Sure. What practical things did you do to maintain a healthy home life? Okay, you really helped me in this area. I think that my life really changed when I got married and we had kids. I didn't realize before then how selfish I was. Mm -hmm. Because as a single, like you don't have to respond to anybody. You're accountable to no one. Your time is your time. Your money is your money. Your plans are your plans. You don't have to include anybody else. So for the singles that are hearing me, <laughs> okay, pay attention. And then I find myself married and then later the kids. And it's like now my life revolves around you guys. Mm -hmm. And I was leading, before I got married, already a very public life, traveling, ministering, preaching. And then I marry a very private person. Right. That would be me. That would be you. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that one of the things, I had a hard time with it, but I think it was what was best because I needed to establish certain parameters in my life, was when you asked me, babe, can we at least just make our home our sanctuary, right? right? You live such a public life. Everywhere you go, it's about people. It's about others. People are tugging at which you. Which I'm okay with, by the way. Yes. Because I understand which, exactly, it. Exactly, which mm -hmm. you're okay with. And I remember that you told me, we can't let everybody in. Not anyone, but not everyone. There's only so much of you mm -hmm. to go around right. and to impact people and There's only so much that you can do and so many people that you can take into your mm -hmm. more intimate uh, circles. That was a parameter that I really needed established mm -hmm. in my life. I needed to bring balance in that area of my life. The other thing that has really helped me maintain a healthy home life and a healthy family life is I learned, now this happened recently. So <laughs> like, guys, there's still room for growth. I started scheduling everything. Yeah. I had heard about it. I tried to yeah, talk I, you into it. <laughs> yeah, I had heard about the effectiveness of scheduling everything, but I've always been a off-the-cuff guy, spontaneous, and I don't like to miss the moment. I always cherish that, and I still do, and there's still a part of me that does that. But as the demands on my person and my leadership began to grow, I started realizing if I want to be effective, I have to schedule myself. Right. And when I say schedule, like I schedule my family time into my agenda. Mm -hmm. I schedule my exercise into my agenda because if you don't schedule it, it's not going to get done. Right. If you leave it to like, oh, I'll spend time with my kids whenever I have time. Guess what? You're never going to have time. Mm -hmm. If you say, I'm going to exercise whenever I have a moment, you're never going to have a moment. The more your leadership grows to be effective and to keep a balance, family, home, ministry, leadership, schedule, everything. Right. One of the things that really helps me right off the bat is there's certain dates in the calendar that every year I know these are off limits. Right. Like certain holidays. I'm going to spend Christmas with my family. 
I'm going to spend Thanksgiving with my family. There are certain dates on the calendar, our anniversary, mm -hmm. our birthdays, our children's birthdays that I know, okay, these are off limits. And I determined that mm -hmm. from the previous year that next right. year, I'm, these, I can't schedule anything here. That helps me keep a balance as mm -hmm. well. One of the things that my wife and I determined when I, our boys started playing sports is that one of us will always be at, mm -hmm. at your games. There have been times where I have been there, but you've been there. Mm -hmm. You haven't been there, but I've been there. And there's been a couple of times, and there's one coming up where neither one is going to be able to be there. But we try our very best, and the fact that we determined to do that, I think we're like at about a 95% effective rate, you know, in yeah. that regard. Ozzy. I, I wanted to thank you guys because, you know, my personal life before coming to Vital Church, we lived it in the sense of like ministry was life. So when my two kids were born and they were little, I didn't get to see them a lot because I worked a full-time job and the rest of the time was, was ministry. Yeah. And so when we come here, it was different. It was, hey, don't have meetings on these days or don't have events on these days because we need you to be with family. And I didn't get it at first because I'm like, there's so much to do, right? <laughs> but I think as, as time went by, I understood it. My family was important. I was disregarding that area of my life. And so I really wanted to say thank you because obviously with my wife and you guys helped bring a balance. Kudos to you guys. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, if you want to be in leadership for the long haul, you have to value what's most valuable. Right. You know what? You can switch churches. You can switch organizations. You can switch companies. Uh, jobs, ministries. Jobs, ministries. But you have one family. Right. You have one family. At the end of the day, that's what you need to take care of the most. I remember when, when we met in Bible school, when you approached me just to get to know each other, yes. the first question, and people know this, <laughs> we've mentioned this before. This the is first hilarious. thing I asked you was not how old are you? Where are you from? What's your last name? I, I, didn't, I wasn't concerned about any of that. I was like, are you going to be, are you here in Bible school to be a pastor? Right. And you said, no. no. And I saw your face like, are you serious? This is the first thing this girl's asking me. Which and is ironic because why else would you be in Bible school? Right. right. Which is now I understand why you asked. It's, right. In my mind, I was like, I'm never going to be a pastor. One of the reasons that you found out later why I asked you that question, because I didn't explain that question until yeah. years later, is we were pastor's right. kids. And we just felt like we would have liked our parents to be around a little more in yes. our lives. I thought about our future and wanting to have a family and thinking I wouldn't want my children to miss out on, on their parents. Right. And that was the reason why. And obviously we got married under that understanding. We were never going to pastor. <laughs> Speaking of disillusionment, no. No, no, no. Years, Disappointment. Years no. later, when we both knew, we both knew God yes. was uh, calling us to this. You, said, you told me one phrase. You said, we don't have to do it the same. We don't have to do ministry the same. And you fulfilled that end of, of your promise and commitment to me and the boys that you didn't have to be absent from our lives. And you know what? So, I want to take a moment right now, and I want to thank our church yeah. for being so understanding of right. that. I had a conversation with my dad two months ago, and it was a heart-to-heart, -heart, and I was able to express what you're expressing now. Right. As a kid, I would have wanted him around more. But I also expressed understanding to him, and I said, Dad, you know, he bowed his head, and he, was, he expressed some regret. Um, my dad didn't go to my high school graduation because we had service at church. So my mom went, but my dad said, you go so that I could take care of the church. One of the things that I expressed to him was I've learned, obviously, not to hold a grudge. God, you know, has healed me in so many ways. And my parents, they're good, far outweighed the bad things. But uh, when I saw his head kind of bow and kind of, he was kind of expressing regret, 
I said, I don't blame you because the church at that time in that season was a church that didn't understand that. Right. They didn't allow you to be there for your family. In that day and age, the church was like, how are you going to miss a service for a basketball game that your mm -hmm. kid's having? And the demand on the pastor was such that he was pressured to make that decision, often mm -hmm. the wrong decision. I just said, look, I understand you and I'm grateful that now the church has mm -hmm. evolved in this regard that ministry, thank God for all these leadership conferences and trainings and coaching, all this stuff that we have access to that helps us keep in mind that we should not neglect what's most important. And I love our church in that they're very understanding. We've expressed it publicly. Hey, when you ask for counseling, when you ask for any pastoral service, whether it's a visitation when you're sick, it's officiating a funeral, officiating a wedding, it's not always going to be the lead pastor. Right. And the church has been very understanding mm -hmm. and have even adopted that culture of like, hey, let's take care of family. We also don't guilt people when they miss. Pastor, I didn't come to service because I had a game. I understand you. I mm -hmm. would have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, back then it was like, hermano, you have to put God first, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we had little sayings for people like that, you know. But I think that we have to continue to take care of what's most important. Right. So thank you, Vital Church. We love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Question number three kind of goes hand in hand to what we're talking about. And it says, how do you decide what should be a priority? In the overall approach to my life, mm -hmm. the Bible decides that for me. So mm -hmm. that's easy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, God first, speaking of priorities, I would put marriage second. Usually we say God and family, but we have to differentiate between the marriage and the children. Okay, right. the marriage comes before the children because that's the biblical way. In fact, the best thing that can happen to our kids is that we prioritize our marriage mm -hmm. and that we're in agreement as parents mm -hmm. and that we understand each other because that's going to bring a lot more nurture to them, a lot more unity and harmony in the home. Plus, the children are there for a season of your lives. You know, empty nesters know exactly what I'm talking about. There comes a season where kids leave the home because they become adults. If you spend your marriage life fighting or taking sides with the kids and fighting over the mm -hmm. kids, guess what? They're going to leave and you're going to leave all the damage at home to where it's really going to affect you moving forward. So I would say God first, marriage second, children third, then the rest of your family, parents, brothers, sisters, and then church, right? Or ministry and friends obviously come into play there. I'm in a moment in my life where I ask, what is going to be of the most impact with the same effort? Right. Right. And sometimes it's not even about numbers. For example, True. I'd rather preach to 200 pastors than, than 2,000 lay people. Why? I'm not undermining the lay people, mm -hmm. but if I can reach your pastor, I'm reaching you anyway. Reaching 200 pastors, even though the crowd is smaller, I'm probably reaching a bigger audience. If I can make any deposit into them, then they can take that and replicate it and right. convey it forward. And I think in reference to that, you're referring more to ministry outside of the church because right. you speak to almost 2,000 congregants every week, every Sunday. Right. We all see how you enjoy it. Now that we have a, a Mid-Valley campus, if you can just fit it in your Sunday to preach three times, yeah. you do it because you love speaking into people and you get invitations yeah. outside of the church. I'm glad you clarify, outside yeah. of the local church because right. I know my calling is here. Right. In fact, 90 to 95% of my invites from the outside, I turned down. Right. Words starting to spread about that. And I kind of hate that because I'm like, <laughs> wait, I'm not mean. I'm not rude. It's not that I'm not interested. It's just that I have an assignment that I have to address and, and I have to take care of first, which is the church. The other thing that I feel is my assignment in this season is not just the church, but the community where this church is located. The Maris knows this, who's my assistant. 
Okay, anything having to do with the immediate community right. here, that's what we're trying to reach. That's what we're assigned to now. Uh, maybe in a, in a different season of my life, God will take this uh, further and grow it. But I'm comfortable obeying God in the here and now and um, prioritizing that over everything else. And then when I do have those chances, because I do like to travel and yes. I do like to meet new people and I yes. do like new challenges. But what's going to be of the most impact? What's going to be most valuable uh, considering my time? That's good stuff. Let's go on number four. What are you doing to ensure you continue to grow and develop as a leader? You guys are in the room. Uh, <laughs> I lean on the team. I learn from the team. I'm comfortable not being the brightest mind in the room. We have amazing leaders, amazing creatives. I love to hear you guys out because you're in the trenches of your specific area. Yes. And so I learn from you guys a lot. I like to ask questions. I like to observe. I do a lot of reading. I think reading is uh, feeding your mind. It's uh, exercising your intellect. So I read a lot. I also intentionally put myself in rooms where I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the most talented guy. I love to place myself in situations where I can sit in a corner, mm -hmm. sit down, shut up, listen. <laughs> I do enough talking here. And we I did have that last week. Exactly. <laughs> I have enough people that listen to me on a weekly basis. Last week, my wife and I were able to just go to a conference and, man, some of the brightest minds right. in the kingdom and just sit down and receive and recharge and learn and grow. It was exhausting. We were talking about that. <laughs> it was exhausting because the conference was like one after the other all day. Like right. we broke just for lunch. Like you had breakfast early morning and then it was like at 830. You're starting and what we counted eight conferences in one day and some worship segments in between. <laughs> there was literally one uh, moment where we were so hungry. We were so hungry. No, honey, we were. I was starving. You were hungry. I was hungry. You were hangry. <laughs> and uh, and it was about one o'clock. And we thought, according to the agenda, we were like, oh, well, this oh, is the over. last session before the lunch break, right? Later on, we learned there were some adjustments, obviously, to the schedule. So the conference is wrapping up. We're getting our backpack. I'm putting away my laptop because I'm note-taking and all this stuff. And I'm putting everything away because we're going to run out of there and go get something to eat. I literally have the backpack over my shoulder. You have your, your, your purse or your bag over your shoulder. And we start getting up, literally, from the table. And they're like, nobody move. What's coming next is amazing. Welcome to the stage, Francis Chan. And we're like, uh... Oh. Okay, put everything, <laughs> put everything down. And uh, we were like, we can't miss Francis Chan, you know? And so we don't regret our decision. Mm -hmm. But again, I say that just to highlight the importance of putting yourself in those rooms and in those situations where you can learn and glean from others. Another thing that you have done that I want to add is that you have a coach, a I ministry do. coach, and I think it's important that people know that because there are seasons where your coach, he's also currently Pastor Ozzy's coach and yes. Pastor Abraham's coach, Pastor Michelle, and the team for a season, we allowed them the opportunity to coach with Pastor David Gomez. You've uh, really valued his uh, mentorship and I know Pastor Ozzy and uh, Abraham and everybody else who has benefited from this type of relationship can say it's something that you emulated. Yeah. It's something that you showed the team. I don't know it all, and I want to continue to grow. The team has really adopted that. Don't so be afraid to, to make investments, in investments into yourself, into your leadership, because they're well worth it. My coaching has been revolutionary in my life. Right. 
It really has. And I think you've seen that. I think you're the best judge of that mm -hmm. because you see me on a daily basis. You live with me. Thank and, you, uh, Pastor David. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Wherever David. Wherever you are. <laughs> awesome. What is the biggest challenge facing leaders today? I would say is the lack of respect for leadership nowadays. Right. And that's because previous leaderships, whether you're talking church, government, business, have let people down so much that people don't trust leadership anymore. Now, there's no sense in crying about it. It's not our fault, mm -hmm. but it's our problem. Right. And I think that what it takes now is for us to go above and beyond mm -hmm to really win over the people that we're trying to lead, mm -hmm. to gain their respect. And we do that by loving them. Right. The greatest force in that regard is love. When people are convinced that you have their best interest at heart and not your own, when they know that they're not being utilized, but that you're literally trying to add value to their lives, you're trying to make deposits that's gonna benefit them and their families and their lives, that's when they start to respect you. That's mm -hmm. when they start to follow you voluntarily. Gone are the days where you can flash a badge or uh, tout a position and then automatically people fall in Have line. respect. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it doesn't exist <laughs> for the right. most part. We need to be intentional about loving people and, and winning them over. I don't know if Pastor Ozzy or anybody else, uh, Pastor Sarah and Pastor D are here. If they want to give us their perspective of challenges in leadership, because you're leading different areas in the church. So what do you all see that is just one of the biggest challenges facing leadership today? I don't think we have this problem. I think it's a problem, but I don't okay, think we have this right. problem. That's good already. <laughs> That's good already. It's, it's funny because I was hearing a preacher this morning and he was saying, he was preaching to his church and he was saying, there's a problem, not in this church. He says, <laughs> it's, he says, don't I sound like a dad? Parents, we always say, my kids are above average. Like, those average kids are out there somewhere, but they're not mine. You know, same thing. Those average churches are out there, but it's not no, this no. one. <laughs> no, but one of, the, uh, one of the things that I see a lot in church leadership is the two road of honor. Because honor is given and, and honor is received. And I think sometimes, you know, as leadership, you expect honor, but you don't give honor back. Come on. Um, that's, again, that's not the case here. We have a great culture within the church and you give honor, they honor you back. But I think it's something that in a lot of places, and I'm not going to say just churches because a lot of businesses, a lot of places, a lot of workplaces like that. Mm -hmm. It's all about flashing the badge do what I tell you to do. But that's the title. That's not influence. Come on. And I think the best way to lead is by the influence that you have. And everybody has influence. Right. Great job. Question number six. What would you improve on or work on at this level? I think at this level is the key phrase there. <laughs> because I think I'm young enough that I can still grow right. in many respects. But I'm old enough that I've tried enough things and I know what I'm good at. And more importantly, I know what I'm not good at. There's things that we like and we love to do and we're not necessarily good at them. You have to learn to let go of those things where you're not fruitful. For example, uh, music. I've always loved music. I took a stab at music. I'm not very right. good at it. I still enjoy it. I still find ways to enjoy music. It's much more listening now than, than performing <laughs> or singing. But uh, yeah, at this point, it's focusing on my strength. You know, yes. it's focusing on my That's strength. Good. I'm not a big leadership guru. <laughs> I'm not a great motivational speaker. I'm not the best pay attention to detail kind of person. I'm a preacher. I got to keep working on that. And so I delegate 
those areas where I'm not good at so that I can keep up and keep growing with what I am good at, which is That's why we good. have such a phenomenal team. I mean, you guys are great. You take the load off in so many areas. You shine. You do things way better than I ever could. And it also allows me to keep growing in, in my area. Pastor Jensen Franklin, we had the honor of sitting in in one of his sessions. And he said, I just realized I'm a preacher. Yeah. I'm not a businessman. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a leadership expert. I'm just a preacher and I love the Lord. Right. And that's what I focus on. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And I like that you mentioned that. Sometimes you only have to be good at one thing. Right. And that defines your leadership. And then you surround yourself with the right people to compensate for your weaknesses. Pastor I, I just want to say something real quick. Sorry, I, I keep no. talking over here. I think a lot of what you said, I was watching a documentary uh, where they interviewed a lot of these older players, you know, Tom Brady, LeBron James, a lot of these older players that, you know, have made it close to their 40s or into their 40s. And uh, they're still doing great things. They were asking them that question, like, how do you keep doing great things late, you know, in your career? And they're like, well, you know, we don't try new things. When you're young, you develop your that weaknesses. So yes. But when you get to a certain age, you work on your strengths. Yes. Right. So if you're young, keep working on your weaknesses. But there's a point that it turns around and, and you stop working on your weakness and you concentrate on your strengths. That That's so, so good. good. Yes, I like very, that. Very good way to put it. Number seven, what are the top three main keys that you would credit to achieving your leadership success? Okay, I'm going to turn three to four. Okay. And typical preacher, the four C's, <laughs> the four C's that are going to change your life. No. Uh, my four C's uh, that I could credit my success to is Christ, commitment, consistency, and change. I think Christ needs to be the center of it all. Christ is everything. Don't do what Christ has not called you to do. Don't do anything without leaning on the grace and the favor and the strength of the Lord. Certainly don't disobey Christ, you know, because he's not going to allow for your success in disobedience. So I think Christ, and even people who don't consider themselves Christian, there's something leadership experts say, psychological experts agree. Uh, there's something about believing in a higher power, mm -hmm. believing that you have a purpose beyond just you, and there's an eternal divine calling upon your life. There's something about that that makes the best leaders. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we know Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So for us, it's Christ. The things that I can share, the things that I can speak about, the victories, it's all because of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. So Christ is first. Now, on the human side, you need commitment. You need to right. be diligent. You need to steward whatever gifts God has given you, whatever calling you're exercising. Steward that to the best of your ability. You need to commit. I feel that a lot of people don't succeed because they don't commit. I was asking a very famous athlete, his son played the sport as well, but they didn't excel as much as the dad did. I said, do you think your son just wasn't as good an athlete? He says, oh, my son was head and shoulders above me as far as athletically. He was gifted. And I said, so what's the difference? Why couldn't he succeed in that arena as much as you? He said, because he had options. Mm. He had options. He said, for me, Growing up in abject poverty, the sport was my ticket to eat. It was my That's ticket true. to have somewhere to sleep. It yeah. was my ticket out of misery. I found the one thing that I was good at and I committed 100% mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that was the only thing that could have gotten me out of the condition that I was in. He says, my son, on the other hand, he could pursue the sport. 
He could pursue another sport. He could work for his dad. He can work for his mom. He, he could can, pursue his own business. He can pursue his own business. He's set up even as he's growing up because his father has succeeded. And so he says he had options. Mind you, this kid is doing very well for himself in the business world. When I talk about commitment, there's people that don't succeed in certain arenas because they're not committed to that. They have options. Right. And sometimes you spread yourself thin trying True. to do everything, trying to be everything to everybody mm -hmm. that you don't commit to that one thing that you're going to excel in or that you're called to do. Mm -hmm. Consistency goes with commitment. You have to make it a habit. You know, mm -hmm. working hard is not once in a while. It's like make it a habit every, every day, day, every week. Uh, and then the last one, change. In leadership, culture does not ask you for permission to change. Mm -hmm. And there are things that are going to happen that are out of your control. Right. That you can either pout and kick and scream and become ineffective, or you can adjust. And one thing that makes great leaders is when you're a visionary and you see the trend before it even arrives. Mm -hmm. I would tell leaders, like, be aware of the changes. Mm -hmm. Know the times. Yes. The Bible says you have to know the season, you have to know the times mm -hmm. because that's what's going to make you effective moving forward. For example, this past week, Carla, we were talking to somebody that is probably one of our most faithful members at church, but doesn't come to the building. Right. Doesn't come, <laughs> doesn't attend. That's something that has always bothered me. Like I would prefer that people show up in person, but ever since COVID where online became more of a reality than ever, and some people due to health conditions or due still to the fear for the pandemic or COVID or for whatever reason, sometimes because of work, they don't come in person. Would I love to see these people come? Yes. The reality is I might not and I might never see them. And I have to accept that and say, hey, I'm going to make the most of it and I'm not going to treat them as less than. No. They are just as important and they're promoting and they're propelling the work and the kingdom and investing right. themselves into the kingdom of God as much as anybody. Yes. That's just one example of change. Just uh, expanding a little more on that person that you were talking about, this person is faithfully tuning in online every Sunday. Doesn't miss a service. So it. Uh, and we see that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we so see this that. person's still connected. It's just in, not in the way that we think it should be. But these are changes that happen. You know, technology. Right. If you don't catch up, you're going to miss out on the opportunities to be of a bigger impact. Okay. Number eight. What are three things you would encourage someone who wants to become a great leader to practice daily? So I'll go back to one I already mentioned. Schedule okay. everything. Okay. I know it's cliche by now. But mm -hmm. you have to start by leading yourself. Right. Lead yourself well before you can lead anybody else. And within that schedule, include prayer, connect to God, find time to connect to God. Yes. Include time for learning, whether that's reading or podcasting. Or somebody pouring into you. Somebody pouring into you or like what we mentioned, making time to go to conferences where you grow, mm -hmm. where you feed yourself. Schedule family time. Schedule everything. Because if you lead yourself, then everything else is going to be an outflow of great leadership inward. Good Become advice. the person first, right? right? You can dream about a great organization, a great church, a great ministry, but are you going to be the right person for that great organization? Yeah. So work on becoming before leading. Okay, I didn't write number nine because I wanted a raw answer. How easy is it to work with your spouse in ministry? Woo! How easy or how difficult? <laughs> no, no. 
And I want you to be extremely honest because there are people in ministry, <laughs> there are pastors that have small children. Some people in the room are telling him, be careful what you're going to say, Pastor. It, it's a trick question. It's a trick question. It's a trap. We have Fernie, who is in the creative team, who's very quiet in the corner every time we record. And right now he's advising he you. He perked up. Watch it. He's like, well, I got to hear <laughs> this. <laughs> he sat up and he said, play dead, Pastor. Play dead. <laughs> Let me, let me, uh, I didn't write this down because I want you to be raw and I want sure. you to be honest. There are pastors in ministry that have small children that have different types of challenges. Yes. And it, ministry with your spouse is not easy. But sure. I also want you to dig in a little deeper and just give some advice on how you and I yes. have been able to navigate almost 10 years in January of Vital Church, but 10 years together in youth ministry. Yes. So it's 20 years that side to side, hand in hand, we've been doing ministry and we're still married. Praise God. <laughs> Praise so, the Lord. Go at it. I'm, I'm going to say this. There's so much good and there are challenges right but you mentioned it i think we have learned and we've been through some rough patches we have where but that's where we've grown the most right and learned the most working together so let me start with the good the good is i love working with my wife i get to see her every day you're my eye candy i tell you that all the time you're so <laughs> beautiful you're so pretty and i get to just uh sometimes walk out of my office and go and just see you and then walk back and i'm like okay I love the fact that I have somebody with me side by side that I can trust fully. That's the biggest hurdle for so many leaderships. Right. And to have that as a given already, because you're proven in that regard, for me, it's it's like a big load off. I know that when you're called to execute part of my vision or a project that I've presented, mm -hmm. I know that I can trust you 100% that you're going to give it your all. Why? Because my success is your success and your success is my success. You know, right. we're not competing against each other. So in that regard, it's been great. The talents that you bring, I think just the way that you compensate for me in the marriage, you compensate for me in leadership. Mm -hmm. Where I'm weak, you're strong. Mm -hmm. And I love that you have this administrative gift. You have a way to organize. I talked about scheduling. I just started doing that a couple of years ago. You've been doing that forever, right? <laughs> I remember there was even a time where I would go to sleep very late and you were like, okay, fine. I'm your wife, not your mother. I'm not going to put you to sleep, right? You said, <laughs> but I'm out at a certain time. I'm out. And you need to right. know that, right? Uh, and then eventually I started kind of adjusting myself because I didn't like going to bed alone, right? I didn't like going to bed and having nobody to talk to. In that regard, like you being so structured and so organized has been a blessing, not just to me, not just to our children at home, but to our church. And I think everybody in the room can attest to that. Praise what God. you bring to the table in that regard is something that it's not my strength. So that's very good. That's very rewarding. Some of the challenges I think have been, and here's a big one for anybody that's listening, learn to differentiate between your personal life and your work life if you work together. Don't bring the problems from work home, mm -hmm. right? Some of the rough patches that we've been through, we caught on. We don't have problems between you and me. Like, right. uh, for the most part, always doing so well. Whenever we did have those challenges, it was having to do with church. Right. And we had brought those problems or those challenges home where, again, we had decided home was going to be our sanctuary. And then there have been times where we catch ourselves and we're like, hey, you know what? Let's have this conversation at church. Here's the thing. When you take the problems from church or ministry or work home, it's very easy to take things personal because you're in your personal setting. To deal with them in the church, automatically, you're not as defensive. You won't be as easily offended. 
Why? Because you know this is ministry. This right. is business. This is leadership and nothing more. It's nothing against, in this case, your spouse. So I think that's been one of the biggest challenges that we've learned mm -hmm. over the years to navigate and we've grown in. What else? You say it a lot, you know, stay in your lane. Right. And so I think that when we realize what we're both called to do and we honor that, that's another thing. Learn to honor each other. Don't compete. Don't keep score. Well, I did this versus you did that. Or, well, you have this victory that you can claim, but I have this victory that I can claim. Don't do that. We're, you're not competing against yourselves. You are a team, you know, mm -hmm. and you're pushing the vision forward. I think that just to highlight a little bit is learning how to differentiate between personal problems and ministry problems. Sure. I just want to reemphasize that. Also, learn to appreciate the gifts each one brings. Right. If you know that that's not your strength, then leave it to somebody that is strong in that area. Right. And I think we've already learned of our strengths and our weaknesses, and we've been able to just respect each other Correct. in that regard. It's not easy every day. Sometimes our personalities are very different. Sure. And there are good things that come from that, and there are challenging things that come from that. Because if your personality is different, that means you would solve problems different. Right. Right? One of the things that I've really learned how to do and that the Holy Spirit has really taught me to do is to learn to give you the priestly place in our home mm -hmm. and in the church. To know that you are the priest uh, that the Lord assigned to us and that you will give an account to God yeah. for the decisions that are made in the end. I've learned to give you my opinion in the most respectful ways possible, to give you my point of view, to give you my side of things. And you've been very loving and gracious to hear me out. Yes. It wasn't always like this. Right. We didn't know how to have good discussions in the beginning. Right. We didn't know how to solve problems in the early years of ministry. It was quite a challenge to get to where we're at. I know Pastor Oz and Pastor D, uh, Pastors Michelle and Abraham, have really helped us navigate this beautiful thing that the Lord has trusted in our hands. They've been in the sidelines just helping us get to where we're at now. Yeah. Uh, learning to just respect each other, even in conflict. So you've given me the opportunity to voice my opinion, to voice how I would handle things. Yes. But in the end, the decision is in your hands. There are decisions that I make. There are decisions that are within my role. And of course, within your scope. Of, and they're within yeah. my scope. But things that would have great impact in the church, when there's a disagreement, I voice my opinion and then you make the decision. And then after that, I accept that decision and I yeah. trust that God's leading you. I would add along those same lines, learn that disagreement is not disrespect. Right. I think we both had challenges in that area. Mm -hmm. You said it earlier, our approach might be different mm -hmm. because of our personalities, right. because of the way we see things. And sometimes it's, let's talk about it. And then, okay, we each give our opinion. And sometimes we agree to disagree and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take it as like, oh, it's disrespectful or mm -hmm. it's insulting that he or she didn't take my advice. You make the best decision. And like you said, at the end of the day, we're a team. And we're growing together. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's a big one. So I hope that helps somebody. <laughs> um, it <Woo>! wasn't. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> they want to give you a hand. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> Who has one last question for Pastor Charlie? The mic is open. Okay, go, Rodrigo. Espero sea una buena pregunta. I hope this is a good question. 
a mí me interesa saber, como usted dijo, mi liderazgo no es perfecto, mi liderazgo no es para todos. I'd like to know, as you said, my leadership is not perfect, it's not for everyone. Pero para los que estamos bajo su liderazgo, obviamente estoy seguro que hay personas que han venido a su vida y le han preguntado por qué hace las cosas así y no creo que sea la mejor manera de hacerlas. But for those of us who are under your leadership, we're sure people have come and said, why do you do things a certain way and we don't agree with how you're doing them? Yo veo en la Biblia a Jesús, sus mismos discípulos le reprochaban por qué hacía tal o cual cosa. Even Jesus, I see the disciples at times asked him why he did this or that or a certain way. Así que me gustaría saber, aparte de Dios, su esposa y sus hijos, porque sé que usted permite corrección de parte de sus hijos, ¿quién más le, se permite usted que lo corrija cuando usted toma una decisión o de por qué hace tal o cual? So aside from God, your spouse and even your children, because you even allow your children to correct you, who else do you allow to bring correction To your life. Así es, en sus decisiones y en la manera en la que va a hacer ciertas acciones. In your decisions or certain actions that you take. Very good question. I like to learn from everyone, but I'm more inclined to learn from people that are making a difference. Right. There's a saying, don't take constructive criticism from somebody who hasn't constructed anything. Because at that point, it's usually just a critical spirit or a critical attitude. But people that have made a difference, that have constructed something, that have built something. I love to learn, even if it's not in my realm. But yesterday we were in a meeting with business people. Why? Because we're building a youth center. I don't know anything about buildings. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything about construction. I need to go to people that know. And we had questions. My wife had questions. And there was things where they were like, oh, we see what you're saying. And then there was things where like, oh, we asked a dumb question, you know, um, uh, <laughs> And we were put in our place and we were corrected. So basically, I would say anybody that is making a difference and anybody that loves people and treats people with honor and dignity and respect is somebody that has my respect. Mm -hmm. And I'm open to listening and learning and growing and even being corrected. I mean, I could name you a lot of examples of random people that I've learned from and that have corrected me. There's a word, uh, there's a phrase that John Maxwell says all the time. You have to get over yourself, right? <laughs> you have to get over yourself. By that means, like, be humble and know that no es la última Coca-Cola en el desierto. You're not the last Coke in the desert. Does that even translate? I don't know. But <laughs> just get over yourself and know that people are valuable, no matter who they are. Bueno, ya que me tocó hacer esta pregunta, ¿fue fácil para usted convertirse en esta respuesta o siempre ha vivido con esa convicción de... Ser yeah. corregido y ser lo suficientemente humilde para decir, órale. What he's asking is, was it easy for you to take on that type of correction or was it something that you had difficulty with? I think my upbringing had a lot to do with the fact that I did have difficulty with it at first. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, I was the youngest of five in my family. And so everybody in my family, my sister included, I have three brothers and one sister. They were bigger, tougher, taller, faster. They would beat me at everything. They were smarter. Obviously, they were more advanced, you know, because they were further in school. So the one thing that I learned to guard myself with was, was, was talking, being argumentative. So for me to lose the argument was like, that's the only thing I have. You're going to beat me at everything else. If there's one thing where I have a chance or it's a little bit more of a level playing field, it's arguing with you. So I didn't ever like to lose the argument. I didn't ever yeah. like to have somebody else have the last word. So many years of that, obviously it leaked in or it seeped into my adulthood. And it was difficult at first yeah. because 
I also had leaders around me that modeled that for me, that to admit that you're wrong is weakness. I had a very influential leader in my life tell me one time, even if you're wrong, don't give people the luxury of hearing them apologize. This was an influential True. leader in my life. Yeah. Because then they're going to step all over you. The moment that you show weakness by admitting a wrong is the moment they're going to walk all over you and they're going to want to manipulate you. So mm -hmm. that kind of stuff did not help. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of inner healing. It took a lot of introspection. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of leaning on the spirit of God to learn. And it also took a lot of failures to learn. Man, you don't know it all, like far from it. That That's what kind of broke me. Mm -hmm. And I started learning and listening. And, and now I'm the opposite. Now it's like, man, I want to keep learning. All I know is that I don't know anything. <laughs> and, uh, and I can always keep growing and learning. And I'm always open for correction. I hope I've demonstrated this to you guys that I will ask you guys for your opinion. Very seldom do I take unilateral decisions. When I do, it's because I have a strong conviction and I heard from the Lord. And like Carla said, I know I'm going to be responsible before God. So there are times where it does call for what you call an executive decision. And it's like, you know what, if I'm wrong, then I will hold to the consequences and I will respond before the Lord. Uh, but I say that humbly because when I do make those kinds of decisions, I feel like I've heard from the Lord and that I know with very certain and strong conviction, this is mm -hmm. the decision that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. And I think that you guys, when I do make those decisions, because it's not characteristic of me, because it's not the norm, I think you guys also respond with like, well, okay, pastor must really be convinced. Pastor must have really heard from God because this is not the norm. Okay, the Maris. Um, I have to speak because I have to give honor where honor is due. Where do I start? I've oh known Damari since five yes. years old. That's what We've I, been that was, very good friends. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> for context. I've been under his leadership for almost 20 years, yeah. if not more. So I've seen how he's grown. And it's been my honor and my privilege to be one of the, the first ones to join him here at Vital. I'm not going to say the first because Polo's going to say he's the first <laughs> member, right? <laughs> but I want to say that it's been my honor and my privilege to be able to work hand in hand closely with Pastor Carla and Pastor Chelly. But I honor them with my life, with my heart, because they have the heart of God. I've seen how Chelly has grown from a young man, how he tries so hard to better himself, to accommodate his family, um, his wife, his children. And I've seen Carla, how much he's helped him along the way and how they've worked together. And you're such a power couple. And Thank when you, you guys good. join forces, there's nothing that can stop you. Thank you so much, Samaris. Thank you, Samaris. Thank you so much. Well, all of you in the room are people of influence and you guys are powerful and we're ministered by your lives. Yes. I, I know you can agree by that, hon. And our church uh, is just a huge blessing for us and we're thrilled to do what we're doing. But I, I was saying earlier, I could say so many things that could describe you, use so many words. But I think the one thing that everybody's going to agree on is that you're a person of integrity and transparency. Mm. The guy that's on the pulpit is the guy that we see walking around the hallways during office hours. The The way you speak to the people uh, from the pulpit is the way you speak to us off the pulpit. And you just show this huge transparency. Sometimes I tell you, please don't be so transparent <laughs> from the pulpit. And when I say stuff like that, it's because he wants to say every single detail of our, of our <laughs> life. But the reason why he, he 
wants to express it is because what you see is what you get. There's yeah. nothing to hide. And my and, jokes sometimes, you cringe at my jokes sometimes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think let's not go there. <laughs> but um, in, in choosing just a quote to close off this Q&A session, I came across this. And it's by Dwight D. Eisenhower. He said, the supreme quality of leadership is integrity. Yes. And I know that to be you. And I thank you for that. I thank you that ministry at Vital Church and ministry on a personal level is truly because you love people and you love God and yes. nothing else. Thank you for saying yes to the Lord. You're a little bit crazy for my life. <laughs> no. Not crazy. You're spontaneous. <laughs> Man, thank you guys. I didn't expect this this morning. Uh, I will say that there is a part of me, you said I'm a little bit crazy. There's a part of me that never wants to stop being a kid. like, uh, And that's on purpose because I think it's my way of enjoying life. And uh, I look at King David. Uh, he danced before the Lord and unrobed himself. That teaches me a great lesson. You know, the fact that he was overlooked when he was a kid. There's a king in every kid. Wow. And uh, there's a kid in every king. And uh, I think that if you approach life that way, man, you're gonna not only going to have great leadership, but you can enjoy a lot of fulfillment and happiness knowing that the Lord has placed you where you're at and it called you to do. And the Lord that called you is the Lord that's going to lead you. And I get to do it alongside the best spouse and the best team and in the best church. So God bless you guys. All right. Thank you all. Love you guys. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed being in the room with the leadership team at Vital Church. We pray that whatever takeaways you got from our time together will enrich your life, your leadership, and your spiritual walk. Remember to visit our website, vitalchurch.com, for all things Vital Church, and to follow this podcast so that you can join us for the next episode of In the Room.